I love what I do. Getting to have these really intimate relationships with people and to know that you're impacting their life and the trajectory of their life forever after, I adore what we do. Welcome to Beyond the Portfolio, the podcast where we talk with financial advisors about some of the more surprising roles they might fill throughout their career. I am your host, Jim Edward, and today I'm joined by Brandon Miller, founder of Brio Financial in San Francisco. Brandon finds that much of the work he does with his clients as an RIA ends up, in some way, being life coaching. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Good morning. To get things started, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into financial planning? So originally, I wanted to be a doctor, mostly because I loved the subject matter and because I really wanted to help people. I even got a master's in biochem nutrition because a lot of what kills us is ourselves. Um, So I wanted to have this really primary preventive care type of practice to help people be able to live longer, healthier lives. But the deeper I got into the medical world, the more I realized that's not really how the medical profession works this day. So I just would never be able to have the depth of a relationship that I wanted to have with people. Again, I think I was overly naive, kind of thinking of a small-town doctor from 1950 or something. And so I really just had to stop and look and think about what it was that I enjoyed doing. And at the time, everything I read was personal finance. So I was just spending a ton of time reading personal finance books. I kind of had a hard time accepting myself as a business person, but... I figured if I like the subject matter enough, might as well go for it. And at the time, my dad, who was a pretty simple, wise man, told me to make sure that I was self-employed, primarily because if I tried to work for anybody else, I'd be fired in about two seconds. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I made sure I was self-employed from the beginning. And what I get out of financial planning, I feel like, is exactly what I wanted to get out of medicine in that I had this really interesting subject matter with you know, lots of topic areas. We're expected to know as much as possible about taxes and insurances and estate planning and investments and debt and money management and cash flow. And in this world that's constantly changing, right? Laws are constantly changing. The economy is constantly changing. And then even more exciting to me is this like human behavioral psychology overlay where, you know, you have to understand how humans think and act, right? Economics is not perfectly rational. None of us are rational humans. So while there's the correct technical answers, there are also probably different answers once you factor in humans. So I love that you have to know all those different things. And then you get to do it on this one-on-one basis. And so you, you know, you have relationships with people for, I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years now. And my, my first client is still with me and I cannot love and adore this person anymore. And we've been through a lot together, right? But I know without a doubt that I have had a, a really dramatic impact on his life and the decisions that he's made. And I feel like we get to be friends and mentors with people and have this huge impact on not only their lives, but, you know, all their family members' lives and their friends' lives and stuff. So oftentimes in our meetings with staff, we're talking about number impacted. I really care about the number of people that I'm impacting while I'm on this planet. So it's not necessarily just our clients. 
because, you know, our clients are our friends and sons and fathers and everything to other people. And so I think a lot about that. And I love that we get to have this big impact on people. I love that I get to be self-employed and I get total control over my situation for better and worse, right? I mean, when things are going well, yay for me. But when things are going bad, boo for me. And I, I get total control over that. So I love that I get the control. I get the the really deep personal relationships where I get to help folks and have an impact on them. And I love that I've got this big, broad swath of subject matter that I'm constantly having to stay on top of. You said you originally set out to have one-on-one meaningful relationships. And even though you had to sort of shift gears, it seems like you found that? Absolutely. Now, Brandon, when you think of the title Life Coach, is that title one you ever expected to use in reference to yourself and your role as a financial advisor? No. And I don't, I don't, like, I would never refer to myself as a life coach. I don't know why, I, it, but that's not how I think of myself, for sure. Undoubtedly, clients end up thinking of me in that capacity, and I certainly act in that way in a lot of times, but it's not something that I am striving for or trying to do necessarily. To me, I feel like I am always at this intersection of life and money and helping clients get the most life out of whatever money they do have, so I certainly end up helping them you know, coaching them through various life events, but it is just one piece of it. I still think of myself primarily as a financial planner, and it's always, you know, numbers-driven, trying to figure out how to help them get to those decision points. Sure. Can you um, can you think of an example of a time when maybe that intersection crossed over? You went from financial advisor to discussing just a life situation. Money was certainly a part, but you maybe needed to provide a little more emotional support or honesty? I mean, I feel like it's something that most of us do on a daily basis, right? I mean, even just thinking about retirement, it's certainly a numbers-driven decision as to whether or not someone can financially retire, but it's a lot of gray zone, right? It's usually not black or white, right or wrong. It's when is the right time for someone to retire, and, and that is a hugely emotional decision. You know, there's gobs of research on that one, of course. So certainly we spend tons of time and energy worrying about when somebody should retire just based off of their life and what they want out of life and are they retiring to something, not just from something. And so I feel like even as something as simple as retirement, it's still highly emotional. I can think of one client in particular who was an executive at a bank and they clearly had more than enough money to retire. And my projections were, you know, I could wipe out like 70% of their net worth and they would still be fine. But the guy was still working. The wife had retired a long time ago. She really wanted him to retire. He was worried they didn't have enough money. And so it did take a long time for him kind of to slowly accept that he had enough money. And it really was me, you know, hitting it from multiple different angles and running different projections and what if scenarios and talking him through both the financial aspects as well as the emotional aspects. That was several years ago, probably five, seven years ago. And uh, my most recent conversations with them were, I ended up almost yelling at them really, (laughs) that if they didn't do a better job of giving money away today, whether to their kids or to charities, it's projected that they're going to leave tons of money, you know, like $75 million to the kids. And they're really adamant that they don't want that, that they think that's too much money for kids to inherit, especially given their younger ages. And so 
for me, I think it's really important that they understand the benefits of trying to give away money sooner than later, whether that's spending it on themselves, helping their kids pay off student loans or buy houses or whatever. But again, trying to get them to see from a more objective lens, really, that they have too much money and that that can be just as problematic as the opposite. When you addressed that with this client, that they have too much money, they need to spend more, what was their objection to your advice? Well, it is a fear of running out of money. At its very core, there's a fear of running out of money. But then you contrast that with the desire to help their kids to be good stewards, you know, in their community. And so there's this disconnect between kind of what I see as their reality versus what he, in this particular example, sees. So the main objection is, what if the market turns south? What if we lose our money? What if there's all these, you know, fears about the future, and obviously no one can predict the future. And so I'm just really clear with them that I keep running projections, I keep getting more and more conservative with various assumptions, so that he can see that pretty much anything that he throws at his own situation, it's not going to be enough to kind of derail everything. To me, there is this fine line of being too conservative. So, yeah, we could be super conservative. We could leave everything in cash, but you're still losing, right? Nothing is perfect. So there's a pro and a con to every situation. And, you know, in this particular situation, the reason I was yelling at them is that I wanted to make sure that they saw one of the big cons is, in all likelihood, they're going to be dumping tens of millions of dollars into each of their kids' laps. And that was really frightening to them. Thankfully, I, I, which I think is appropriate. So uh, to me, like that fear of running out of money versus the fear of dumping way too much money into a young kid's lap, I think helps kind of balance that out. So in that instance, there's too much money. Is there an instance where you have a client who's mismanaging their funds and there's not enough money or there's missing dollars and it's sort of the opposite end of things? For sure. And those clearly are not nearly as fun conversations, right? I'm sure they're not. <laughs> when someone is um, running out of money, yeah, nowhere near as much fun. That's a different type of yelling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, in general, what we're trying to do there is, one, just to bring awareness to it, uh, make sure they understand that we see it the same way. But then usually I'm, what I'm trying to do is build some kind of structure in place um, to help them manage the cash flow or situation if they're running out of money. What would that look like? What type of structure do you try to build for these clients? Yeah, so if someone is still working, we always have them direct deposit their paychecks into their account with us. And then I will direct deposit an allowance. We call it an allowance into their checking account. And that's their budget. I mean, it's really simple, and I intentionally use the word allowance because I know it sounds childish, but it's what it is. And for most of us, I think we need to be dissociated from our paychecks. So I try really hard to make sure people realize they are not paycheck to paycheck, and this way you get to control your own cash flow. And so, you know, the old adage about paying yourself first, I take that very literally. I pay myself first, and then I give myself an allowance out of there so that it really is just you don't have to do anything in order to save money. It happens automatically. That way you have to do something to spend money. 
As an RIA, you work with clients every day to help them prepare for the future and navigate the inevitable changes life brings. But are you taking the same care of your own future? Visit TDAI.com and click on Insights to read about securing your firm's future. So to flip the script a bit, is there a time you realized that a client was looking for guidance on something that was more than just financial? I feel like most clients need more guidance than just financial. I truly think the the financial is like the foundation, and that's where you have to kind of ground everything in the reality of their financials. But beyond that, most of what I think I do for clients is dealing with the emotions. Again, whether it's something as complicated as whether or not to retire, to should we get a divorce, to what do I do with this investment portfolio? There's always emotions involved. And so to me, right, I mean, I think if you think about economics and it being based off of everyone acting perfectly rational at all times, clearly that never happens, right? And so the behavioral finance piece of what we do is super interesting to me. And there's a lot of times when I'm working with clients and I'll tell them, this is the correct technical answer, but here's what I think you should really do. Because a lot of times human behavior gets in the way and we manage to mess up our own situation. So something as simple as money management, I think it's really important that no one manage their own money, financial planners included. Because even though we might know the right thing to do, we're still humans and our behavior gets in the way. So to me, it's really important that you have someone else that gets between you and your money and also between you and whatever your financial decisions are. When I think about like more specific examples of times when people need more than just financial guidance. It usually is on the larger life decisions, having children, getting a divorce, moving. I think moving is often very difficult. All of those things get super emotional, of course. Have there been any of these situations where you've kind of helped someone get on the right track that have been really rewarding to you? Oh, gosh, yeah. It happens all the time. I mean, which is by far the best part of the job, right, is when someone comes back to you and says, thank you, you know, this is what you've done for me. Honestly, it usually is with clients who don't have as much money. Because frankly, taking somebody to $4 million to $5 million, like you haven't really changed their lives that much, right? Versus somebody who goes from debt to cash reserve you really have changed like how they live and think about money on a daily basis. So those are usually the people who are most grateful. I can think of someone coming to me and saying, you know, that they'd lost their job. And, you know, because we had essentially forced them to save money, they had the cash reserves in place in order to ride out the storm. And this person had said, I think I would be homeless if not for you. It might have been a little bit of an embellishment, but maybe not. I mean, I really don't know what else they would have done. They had kind of been disowned from their family and were on their own. And so I do think stuff like that is super impactful. Over the years you've been working with clients, you've certainly gained experience on all ends of the spectrum. I guess there's really nothing like firsthand knowledge and experience in these situations. How have you applied that knowledge and experience going forward? Yeah, I do think, you know, that firsthand knowledge is incredibly important. And I am a giant believer of just experiencing life. Certainly, to me, one of the best things about our job is you do get to live and learn vicariously through your client situations. And unfortunately, in many cases, I think my personal lessons have been on the the negative side in that I'm naturally 
very optimistic. So it's always eye-opening to me when, you know, we had a client pass away not too long ago who was 28 years old. Very early on in my career, I had a 38-year-old client pass away unexpectedly. And so those, you know, those things leave a mark. That's just not what is supposed to happen, you know. And so when it comes to the protection side of our business, I probably am a much bigger advocate for things like disability insurance or life insurance than I otherwise would have been. So I definitely get to learn through clients in all kinds of different situations. And, you know, you do learn, and even if it's just anecdotally, to me, those are the important bits of, like, helping steer someone through life. Obviously, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And for someone who has, you know, never had kids before, eh, they don't necessarily know what's coming down the pike. Or someone who's never been retired before, it's really helpful to be able to have stories in your back pocket to help them know what might be coming down their pathway. But just as important as that, like you said, I do think it's even more critical that you do it yourself. So I have tried anything and everything that it's possible for my clients to experience. This is probably a really silly analogy, but I always think of myself as the hairstylist who has like 14 different colors of hair (laughs) because they always want to try stuff on themselves before they do on their clients. I'm kind of the same way in that, you know, I've been married, I've been divorced, I have kids, I share kids, I buy real estate, sell real estate, I own a business. I try and experience as much life as humanly possible. And I think that really helps shape the quality of the advice I'm able to give clients because they know it's coming from a sincere place. I've been there before and they can kind of look to me with a little bit of wisdom. Maybe wisdom is a strong word, but I do think there's a lot to that. And that's, you know, I think one of the things that's great about our job is the more experience we have, the more we can help our clients. So I love collecting those little experiences of life. Absolutely. You clearly have a strong desire to help people. And with all this experience you apply, you can offer them, like you're saying, quite a bit of wisdom to lean on. Do you find that this is always a strength? Or does it get to a point sometimes where clients maybe are starting to lean on you too much? Yeah, no, there are definitely people who will lean on me too much. And I should also say that I um, charge monthly retainers for just pure planning advice. And I know there are a lot of advisors that don't do that or don't see that as beneficial. I really like charging for the strategic planning advice. I think it helps differentiate me. I think it helps set me apart in that I'm not just going to focus on the money. I do want to focus on their life and whether that's, you know, the health insurance at work or the deductible on their car insurance. All of those things come together to help you know, someone's financial life. And I think they're all really important. So I charge for my advice. Because of that, clients want to get their money's worth, as they should. And so they know I'm on retainer. I'm there to answer any and all of their questions. Uh, Some people use it a ton. Others don't. Generally speaking, there's a wax and wane to it where, you know, some clients that life is easy and there's nothing happening in their lives. But every now and then, you know, there's job changes, there's death, divorce, marriage, moving, whatever there is, and then they need a bunch of help. So some people clearly rely on me more than others. I get calls saying, you know, I'm at the car dealership. Which car should I buy? I remember someone asking me for permission to buy a new refrigerator. Wow. 
Yeah. So it can get, you know, down to something really small like that where clearly it's you don't need a financial planner to tell you whether or not you can buy a new refrigerator. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. If they need that little approval, so be it. So you've clearly established relationships where clients turn to you for both financial support and for support in many aspects of their life. Yeah. And that's what I want. I want them to know they have someone who's in their corner and I'll be there for the good or the bad or, you know, the big decisions or the little ones. I don't really care. So in all of these experiences and in all these instances and these ongoing relationships, I mean, you feel like this is where you belong. You are there for these people and you are clearly effective and good at it. Has there been a moment where you've thought about, oh, I don't know if this is if this is right for me? Meaning if this is the right job for me? Yes. No, never. I love what I do. Getting to have these really intimate relationships with people and to know that you're impacting their life and the trajectory of their life forever after, I adore what we do. And getting to apply the technical bits and having to understand all the different rules and whether it's taxes and insurances and estate planning and investments and cash flow and debt and real estate. I mean, there's this giant swath of information that we've got to know that's constantly changing, not to mention a constantly changing economy. And then you've got to know the client and human behavior and what makes humans tick, but also just this one individual person tick. And then getting to combine the two and really being able to push someone forward in their life. I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you've had all sorts of experiences. And we've talked about how that firsthand knowledge can be so impactful. But on top of that, is there any kind of training you've had or you'd recommend other advisors seek out? Sure. I mean, first of all, there's the training on the technical bits, which to me is just, you got to have that to even be part of the conversation. So I would hope and assume that all advisors would get their designations and stay up to date on everything and go to conferences and continuing education. You have to know the technical bits no matter what. And if you are asking people to pay you for your advice, you darn well better have good advice and know your stuff. Especially today with the internet, people have access to everything. And so to me, it's always critical that I know way more than my clients do. And honestly, I really want to know more than my clients' estate attorneys do. And I want to know more than my clients' CPAs do because I want to be the expert in the room and I want them to understand that I'm the one with the answers and that's why they pay me. So I do think you have to have a really strong foundation of all financial planning. And I think that should be as comprehensive as humanly possible because clients don't really care which slice of the pie you're the expert on. They expect you to know everything. And you know they don't get to divvy up their lives between estate planning and taxes versus investments. So it's never made sense to me for me to just worry about investments because, frankly, if the person gets disabled, their investments are going to go away in a heartbeat. So I think it's really critical that you have a great understanding of all areas of financial planning and ensure that you are doing things like insurance, which, frankly, are not fun conversations. And I think there's a lot of financial advisors that shy away from those and think they're kind of dirty or less than topics. But they're really important things because, again, that client is one person and we've got to make sure that we are taking care of all of that person. So there is that piece, which, again, I think are just kind of ground stakes for being in the game. I think to answer your real question, which is, you know, the touchy-feely bits of what we do, 
Yes, there's always life experiences, and I do think you need to be open to learning from all those experiences. And to that end, I actually think therapy is kind of an important thing that advisors should be doing. So I see a therapist every week, and it really helps me process things and helps me take an hour out of the week to stop and talk about the stuff that really matters. Because we're all so busy, everybody's running around doing everything, but you have to take time to stop and educate yourselves on what matters. And so I have a model calendar, and every week I make sure that I stop and spend the hours necessary to become an expert. And so I do feel like I spend the time reading the financial planning stuff, but you also have to spend time doing the other things. And so I allocate four hours a week to reading, but I read nonstop books about happiness, life, money, wisdom, those kinds of books really where people are talking about what matters in life. I'm always reading those. So between reading stuff, doing therapy themselves to make sure they're self-aware, that's where I get most of my knowledge around it. I feel like most of what we do is always ending up you know, in some way, life coaching, right? Whether it's holding their hand through market downturns or helping them decide the merits of whether or not they should take a different job or can they afford to have children? When should they retire? Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you and hearing your insights on how financial planners can add that extra value to their clients. Before I let you go, do you have any parting words of wisdom you'd like to share? Take your fiduciary responsibility really seriously. So I feel like I legally have to do whatever is in my client's best interest. And I think a lot of financial planners know that's what they're supposed to be doing, but I don't know that I really see that playing out that way on a daily basis if people stop and are really honest with themselves. And I think our firm goes above and beyond to make sure that the client is always first, no matter what. And I think we mean that at like this really deep human level in making sure that we always put the client and their life ahead of everything else that we do. So I think about that. I think about making sure that you are really self-aware. I think with all humans, you know, we can do a nice job of fooling ourselves into believing something that isn't necessarily true. Einstein has a good quote, reality is a perception. And I think that's very true for all of us, that we make our reality whatever we want it to be. And so to have people around you that will kind of keep you honest to yourself, I think is really important, in part because I think the better you know yourself, the better you're able to help others. So I love the thought of making sure that people know who they are and that they are walking the walk Every year, I sit down and create my goals for the following year, and I'm pretty darn good about checking them off and making sure that I am doing the same things that I preach to everyone else. I love that. That's great. Thanks, Brandon. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Beyond the Portfolio. We've been speaking with Brandon Miller, founder of Brio Financial. On next week's episode, we'll be joined by Mike Pruitt, a financial planner at MBE Wealth Management in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. Join us for episode five, when we'll discuss Mike's experience acting as a crisis counselor for clients during a market meltdown.